church. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, uh, If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. And so today in our world and what's going on around us, we need truth and we need strong pillars to hold up that truth. We know the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ and on him we are building the found, from that foundation these pillars. And we started with talking about worship and God wants participants, not spectators. And so this morning it was beautiful to have the choir. They're participating, right? And we're participating when we sing Uh, God isn't looking for us just to watch. He's looking for us to participate. He wants us to be involved. And that's why uh, later today we're going to have a leaders meeting. And we're trying to give many opportunities for people to lead here at the church and to do different ministries. Because I believe we're all ministers. We just got to find our ministry. And we talked about that last week. Then we talked about fellowship. We all need good friends. We all need good friends. I know some of you have gone through some health issues and some of you have gone through some family issues. And it is so important for us to have good friends that are there during those times to support us. And God created us with the need for friendship. We're created to be friendly and to have friends. And so as a church, fellowship is so important. Next week we'll have a fellowship here after the church for you to build your friendships with others. Discipleship. We are to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. We exist to be like Jesus. The whole reason God put you on this earth is to reflect himself, to be like Christ. And so discipleship is such an important part of the life of the church. It is one of our pillars. And last week we talked about ministry. God created your shape on purpose. Every single one of us in this room has a uniqueness to us. And that uniqueness was not by chance or by mistake. Nobody is a mistake. Everyone is on purpose. And your shape is on purpose. And God wants to use you for his kingdom. He wants to use you for his glory. He wants you to be part of this body, be part of this family. And he has made you with all the things that have happened in your life, from your spiritual gift that you, you receive when you come to know Christ, to your heart or your, the things that you're passionate about to your ability, the things that you're good at, to your personality, the type of person you are, to your experiences. And we talked about how even our bad experiences create things that God can use and that God wastes nothing in our lives. And so those are the fourth pillars. And I think this fifth pillar is such an important pillar for churches today. It's a pillar that we tend to lean away from. It's it's one of the pillars that's easy to miss. And it's the pillar of missions. The pillar of missions. And so what I want you to think of this morning is uh, two individuals, Port Orange Paul and Port Orange Pam. All right, Port Orange Paul and Port Orange Pam. Now, Port Orange Paul and Port Orange Pam are us and our neighbors. And uh, for many of those that would be in this category of Port Orange Paul and Port Orange Pam, they live in the what if, what if, or if only world, if only. If only I had a little bit more money. If only I had a little bit more stuff. If only I was a little younger. If only I was a little older. If only I was uh, more attractive. If only I was healthier. If only. Uh, We live in a world of of the if onlys. And unfortunately, the if onlys become the focus of life. Right? We have a whole system that is committed to selling us things on a regular basis. That's for the if-onlys. If only I had this. If only I had that. 
then I would be happy, then I would be satisfied, then I would be fulfilled. And we are surrounded. Our world is made up of this idea, if only, if only, if only. And this morning, the church should ask itself, we should ask ourselves the question, if only they knew the truth. If only they knew the truth, what would it look like? What would it look like if everyone knew the truth of the gospel this morning? So what does everyone need to know? What does everyone you'll ever meet ever need to know? What is, what is it the one thing that every person that will ever live needs to know? And that's what we're going to dive into this morning. We're going to ask God to speak to us, to give us clarity, and to give us a, a passion for this part of what he's called us to do. So let's precede it with prayer. Father God, thank you for another day of life. Thank you that you are holy and you are just. And Lord, we don't have to ask the question if only because you have already. You have already. You've paid the price. You've won the war. And you've given us hope. And so this morning, Lord, as we talk about missions and we talk about being on mission for you to share the gospel, Lord, that I pray that you would protect us. Um, as we consider these things, that you would give us the thoughts and ideas that you want us to have. And Lord, that we would understand your amazing grace. And Lord, the importance of us sharing that grace with others. So Lord, I pray that you would protect us as a church as, as we navigate this call to be missionaries, to be on mission for you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak directly to our hearts Um, that you would open our eyes, open our our minds to your truth, that we can live them out. Lord, I pray that every one of us in this room would not be distracted by our own enemy that lives within or the enemy that lives without, but Lord, that your spirit would give us clarity in these moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I I am not looking at a singular passage because I believe it's all throughout Scripture, uh, this idea of mission. And so we're going to be looking at quite a few different passages because I believe the entire Bible is rooted in the importance of the mission we are to have. And so that question, what does everyone need to know? I believe the first answer is this. We are all lost sinners who need to be saved. We are all lost sinners who need to be saved. There's not a single one of us that was born righteous. There's not a single one of us that was born in a way and lived in a way that we did not need to be saved. But I do believe we don't need to convince people that they're not perfect. I think almost everyone, most people I've ever met in my life, already know they're not perfect. But I do think we need to be uh, educated and informed on the fact that sin is so destructive and sin has power. There's two things that sin does. Sin grows and sin kills. Sin grows and sin kills. I'm going to ask my son Elijah to come up really quickly, if he would. Uh, This is something I use when I teach high school students because I think it's helpful for a visual image to understand this. You see, when you're young, maybe you got into something you know you shouldn't have. Uh, Maybe it was swearing or maybe it was uh, smoking or whatever it was, and it seems like not a very big deal. And so sin starts small. Go ahead and get on my back, son. (coughs) Even though he's not that small. But you know, in life, you can still kind of get around. You can still do the things you normally do, right? All right, get down. Thank you, Elijah. 
Now, the problem is, the problem is sin doesn't stay a teenager. Sin keeps eating from the kitchen and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And that small little thing that you did becomes a big addiction. And you give it 20 or 30 years and it's, and it's debilitating, isn't it? And we all know people right now that are suffering from poor mistakes they made as a teenager, poor mistakes they made in college, poor choices that they made. Sin grows. People, Port Orange Pam and Port Orange Paul need to know that sin grows. They need to not underestimate the power of sin. Sin destroys. And not only does sin grow, sin brings death. We're told in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we're told that for the, for the wages of sin is death. The wages, what you earn from that sin accumulates. And guess what? We tend to think of death as, okay, dead, I'm in a coffin. No, it means death in many other ways. It means death of relationships. It means death of opportunities. It means death of happiness or joy in your life. It means death of things God could have done through you and with you. Sin, it grows and it brings death. And it always does this. There are no exceptions. Sin always grows and it always brings death. And this is something that everyone needs to hear and know. Every person that I I meet in life, I want to share with them that there's bad news because if they don't know there's bad news, they're never going to want to hear that there's good news. And the bad news is that when Adam and Eve invited sin into this world, it has been destructive since the very beginning. And it grows and it has always grown. That's why we see intense evil in the world today. You ask yourself, how could things be so bad in places? How could places be so evil? That's the effect of sin. Sin destroys. When you drive through a a neighborhood and you say, wow, this is a very bad neighborhood, that is because of sin. Sin has destroyed it. And, and those people are not the problem. The sin that lives within them is the problem. Right? And sin brings death. It brings death to communities. It brings death to groups of people. It brings death to families. It brings death in so many different ways. And people need to recognize the bad news before you hear the good news. The bad news is we are separated from God because of our sin. There was a division between man and God when sin entered the world. And we are separated from that loving God because of sin. Everyone needs to hear that. Everyone needs to know that truth. But there's good news. There's good news. Jesus died for my sins so I don't have to. Jesus died for your sins so you don't have to. Do you recognize you don't have to pay that debt? Because guess what? You could never pay that debt. Right? We're told in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew what? No sin. To be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God took my sin. He took that thing that has grown in my life. He's taken that thing that's in my life now. And he placed it upon himself in the form of Christ. And he took all of our sin. And he went to that cross. And he paid the price. 
You know, the worst part of the cross wasn't the nails. The worst part of the cross wasn't the scourging and the whipping. The worst part of the cross was not the thorns. You know what the worst part of the cross was? The moment when Jesus looks to the heavens and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The moment that God turns his face from his beloved son, the moment that he no longer is in communion, no longer in relationship with Christ, is the moment that was the hardest. Because we were created for that. That is our purpose. That is our meaning. And Jesus absolutely understood that. That was the cost that he had to pay for you and for me. To be separated from his father. To take on the sin that I choose in my life, that I have chosen, that we choose on a regular basis. God placed my sin upon him so that I wouldn't have to pay for it. What did Jesus do on that death on that cross? Jesus destroys death so I could experience eternal life. 2 Timothy 1.10 says, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has what? destroyed death and has brought to life and immortality the light through the gospel. He's destroyed death. He's destroyed what sin becomes. He has taken on sin and he has won. It is a powerful thing to recognize that that sin that lives within me, that sin that is growing, it has been dealt with. It has been paid for. Now, you may have grown up in the church. You may have heard this your whole life. And you know what happens over time? Just like sin, we underestimate it. We come into this idea of what Jesus did. And we underestimate it as well. We underestimate the fact that death is dead. If I truly, in my heart of hearts, knew that death was dead, that I have been saved from my sin, every day would be a celebration. Every moment, no matter good or bad, within the scope of this life, would be victory. Do you know why most people don't believe that this is true? Because most Christians don't act like it is true. We have victory, we have freedom. He has destroyed death. Do you know what 10 out of 10 people are going to deal with? It's called death. He has dealt with it. He has destroyed it. He has given freedom and peace and hope in the midst. And here's the beautiful thing. This freedom, this salvation is a free gift, so I don't have to earn it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it is for by grace you've been saved through faith that is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. You know what most world religions teach? If you do enough good, you will be good. That's not true. It's not true that if I do enough good, I will be right before God. That is a lie of an enemy. The truth is, the truth is, I have been given a gift. I have been given a gift that I could not earn, that I could not pay for. I have been given a gift that makes me right with God. It is a gift I have received. It is a gift that I wear and use every day of my life. It is a gift. You cannot earn your salvation. It is not by works. There's nothing you could do 
that would make you right with God. You know, there's so many people here in Port Orange, Port Orange Pam and Port Orange Paul, who believe my good has outweighed my bad, so I'm okay. My good has outweighed my bad, so I'm okay. You know, Jesus didn't come to earth to make us okay. Jesus didn't die on a cross so I would be okay. He came and died on a cross to destroy death so I can have life, a life that none of us really can understand. You know, not one of us in this room can imagine the life that is ahead of us if you're a follower of Christ. Right now, we're told, Jesus says, we see as through a a dimly or something that is dim. And yet, when we go from this life to the next, we will see as face to face. There will be no doubt. It'll be revealed. It is also based on faith. So all I have to do is confess and believe. Romans 10, 9 and and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and faith and are saved. You are saved. Do you really believe that this morning? Do you believe you're saved? You know, it's easy right now to be afraid of things. It's amazing to be encouraged in your salvation. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Faith casts out all fear. It is by God's grace that we have it, but we have it, and it is ours, and he promises it to anyone. He does not discriminate. He says anyone who confesses with their mouth, anyone who believes in that heart. That means every one of the the Port Orange Pauls and the Port Orange Pams, any single one of them that you ever meet can confess and believe and be saved. It is a free gift that is offered to every human on this planet. There's not a single person, no matter what they think about life, no matter what their uh, heritage is, if they confess and believe, the Holy Spirit will enter in them and they will be saved. That is the mission. What does everyone you know need to know? What does everyone you know need to know? They need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. Good news would be pretty good right now, right? It would be good for good news. There's only one news. There's only one bit of news that's the good news that never stops being good. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, you might have got good news on your stock. You might have got good news on your your health report. You might have got good news on something, but that's temporary. This is the only good news that stays that way. But how will they know? How will anyone ever know this message? How will your neighbor know this message? How will your children know this message? How will your grandchildren know this message? How will anyone ever know this message? Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful, are the pe- how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know why it's so beautiful? Because they're bringing good news about death being destroyed. That sin that grows and brings death has been dealt with. 
And all those what ifs, if onlys that people live by, all those things that, that people every day, if only I do this, if only I get that, if only this happens in my life, I'll be happy, satisfied, fulfilled. Those are all temporary lies. There's only one thing that will fulfill eternally. There's only one thing that will satisfy eternally, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why for 2,000 years, people have gathered together and they've sung songs because Jesus beat and destroyed death and has given life. That's why we read these words of life. That's why we're in this room right now. It's because life has been revealed. A life that none of us can imagine. We can imagine a sin-filled life because we're in it. We cannot imagine a life with no sin a light of life that God has given to us. And so the fifth pillar of the church is missions. We cannot stop sharing this good news. We cannot deviate from this good news. This is the center of our faith. This is the center of our message. All the other things don't matter if we do not put this at the core. Why worship if we're not saved? Why fellowship if we're not saved? Why have discipleship if we're not saved? The gospel, the good news, is when God said, I love you to the world and I offer a way for you to be part of my family eternally. The good news of Jesus Christ. How will they know if we don't go? Why would we keep this to ourselves? Why would we hold on to a truth that can radically shift people's lives and give them abundant life? This is why it's so important for us as a church to be committed to this. And I believe there are, there are four things that each of us individually need to be committed to if we're to be on mission for the Lord. Number one, the application. We must shift our thinking from self-centered to God-centered. John 3.30 says, we must become, He must become greater, I must become less. When the gospel is at the center of my life, when people need to hear something, they don't need to hear about Mike, they need to hear about Jesus. If you come to church and you walk away and you know more about me, but you don't know more about Jesus, I have failed. The gospel is not about this building, it's not about me as a pastor, it's not about our music, it's not about anything but the good news of Jesus Christ. I must decrease. I don't want him to see me because I'm a flawed, sinful man. I want him to see the perfect man that defeated death and know that that perfect man offers relationship with them. Eternal relationship, not temporary fixes, eternal solutions. And so I must decrease. I can't be self-centered. I got to be God-centered in all that I do. We need to be God-centered as a church. It's not about lifting up any individual other than Christ. Number two, we must shift our thinking from temporary, temporal values to eternal values. Mark 8.36 says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Here we learn that the soul is the most valuable thing you own. Because the soul is eternal. We've got to stop living like this life is the only thing that matters. People need to see that Christians are eternally minded in everything they do, from how they interact in a marriage, to how they raise their children, to their work ethic, to what they do in their home, to how they live their life, that all of it is eternal in nature. 
that I live with an eternal perspective. I'm not worried about 10 years from now. I'm not worried about 20 years from now. I am concerned about the eternity of my soul, my kid's soul, the people in my neighborhood's soul. Eternity is what matters. If my children are successful in this world, that's great. But if they're successful in this world and fail to come to know Christ, then it's been a failure completely. This life is but a vapor. It is gone. And we step into the next. It is only these moments that we have to reorganize and refocus ourselves and to reflect. Am I living for the temporary? Is all my thoughts based on what's so temporary? Or am I looking to eternity? Am I making decisions? Am I having a lifestyle that is based on eternal thinking? I believe we must shift our thinking from security to service. Mark 8, 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. If I'm going to be eternal in my, in my lifestyle, if I'm going to live a gospel-centered life, It can't be about security first. It needs to be about service first. Who can I help? Who can I support? Who can I be there for? Who can I come alongside with? How can I help those that are struggling? And then finally, I believe... For, for us to apply this principle of missions in our church, we individually need to shift our thinking from comfort to sacrifice. Romans 6, 13 and 14, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been bought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall not, no longer be your master. Because you are now under the law, not under the law, but under grace. You know what I love doing when it's cold out? I love just staying in the covers and staying asleep. Do you know what happens if you stay in the covers and stay comfy all the time? You lose your house and you got no food. <laughs> There's a place for rest. Believe me, I, scripture is full of the, the importance of Sabbath and rest. But you know, in the end, it's not about how comfortable this life was. I think we are sold that every moment of our lives. If only you were a little more comfortable. If only this was a little more comfortable. If only you felt a little more comfortable. We'll be very comfortable in heaven. But during this time, during this place of existence, God is much more concerned with our obedience. And he's really looking for those who will give of themselves because they love me with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they love their neighbor as themselves. Who will give up some earthly comforts for eternal blessings, eternal truths, All of these things are personal decisions. All of these things are things you work out in your mind. All of these things, it's not about what we say, it's about what we do. 
And so this morning, as we consider the mission of the gospel, um, to declare the gospel is to live the gospel, right? To declare this good news, to say that Jesus has destroyed death and that he's given life and that he has won over sin and now I have freedom and righteousness. For that to be true, it needs to be true in my life. If I go to my neighbor and I'm an angry person and I got all kinds of things going on that I know shouldn't be there and I'm not committed to the Lord and I tell them of this good news, um, they will say, well, where is it true in your life? How can you tell me this is true? I don't see it true in you. You know, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But in sharing the gospel, it's it's a uh, two-pronged approach. One, he's done it for me so I can share it with you. That means it's an ongoing thing. It wasn't something that, that, yes, I was saved, but now I'm growing in that salvation. That's the challenge we have. That's the truth we have this morning. It really comes down to, if I'm a follower of Christ, am I living in obedience to him? Or am I swayed by my own desires, my own want to be comfortable, my own want for achievement, my own want, or whatever? There's so many things, right? And it's these moments, I believe, the reason we gather here, the reason we gather It's because you and I struggle with this because we still have sin that lives within us and it keeps pulling us away. It keeps pulling us away and we've got to come together and we've got to read these words and we've got to let the Holy Spirit of God enter into us and remind us of who we are, whose we are, and where we're going. And that we recommit our obedience. We recommit our lives. We say, look, I've messed up. Yes, I've failed. Yes, I've struggled. But today, God is speaking into my heart and I'm ready to recommit. I'm ready to continue on strong. I'm ready to take those next steps. And this morning, you may be here and say, I've never started that. Well, today's a great day to start it. We're told that that we are to be born again or to be twice born. You can't start this journey until you start the journey. And the start is giving your life to Christ. Confessing and believe, and he will come into you, and he will lead you. Maybe this this day is the day you need to be twice born. And in a moment, we'll have prayer counselors here in the front that would love to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for you to confess and believe. But for many of us in this room, you've grown up with this, you've heard this your whole life, but maybe you've never seen it in real life played out. Maybe you haven't recognized the importance that the gospel is a daily thing. Not a Sunday thing. You know, all of the gospels talk about a commission to be on mission. All the gospels say we're to go and do this. If we're Christ's, we're to go and do this. We're to be on mission for him. That means Mike Bailey is to go and do this. Your name, fill in the blank, is to go and do this, to be on mission. Maybe today you just need to ask the Lord to rekindle that in your heart. Rekindle that in your life. Recognizing that you have only a vapor ahead of you and then your real life begins. And once your real life begins on the other side, you can't, you can't share anymore with your neighbor. You can't share with that person in your life. You can't live that truth out because that time will have been come to an end. It is today is the day of commitment. Today is the day of 